0: Okay, this is chapter four of Courageous, a novel of Dunkirk. Aiden jogs the whole way home. He finds his dad sitting in his favorite armchair reading the paper. His mom is darning socks, her needle moving in and out to mend the holes in toes and heels. Dad, we just have to join up with the others, Aiden says. The boys need our help. We've already talked about it, his father says. And the answer is still no, we're not going. Leave it be mom says. But Aiden can't leave it. If you won't go, I'll go by myself, he says. He's bluffing, though. Aiden doesn't really want to go by himself. In fact, the mere thought is terrifying, especially after getting the news about Trevor. He's been out on his father's boat scores of times, but he's always stayed close to home and in waters that are familiar. Crossing the channel by himself in that little boat would be another thing entirely. He'd be mad to even attempt it. Dad turns on the radio. Music, not news. And when Mom finishes the sock she's working on, she steps next door to visit Mrs. <clears throat> to visit with Mrs. Pringle. Aiden feels restless. It's Saturday night, and since there's no school the next day, way too early for bed. He doesn't want to listen to the radio with his dad, and he certainly doesn't want to join Mom visiting Mrs. Pringle, who is a nice enough lady, but who does, who does go on endlessly about her stomach ailments and her arthritis. He goes to the door. Maybe he'll join his mom over at Mrs. Pringles, after all. But just as he's about to leave, he sees a tiny bit of blue sticking out from under the doormat. When he pulls out the thin blue envelope, he recognizes it immediately as a letter from George. Aiden's heart starts a heavy thumping in his chest. The letter hasn't been opened, so clearly Mom and Dad haven't seen it yet. It must have gotten pushed under the mat when the postman dropped the rest of the mail through the slot earlier in the day. What to do? He should show it to his parents, of course, but <clears throat> would it be wrong to open it and read it first? It's addressed to the whole family, after all. Mom is still over at Mrs. Pringle's and the radio's still on. Aiden makes a split second decision and darts up the stairs with the letter. It's only when he's alone in his room with the door closed that he carefully opens it and begins to read. Dear Mom, Dad, and Aiden, not sure how long it will take you to get this letter, or where I'll be when you receive it. Your last letter took a full month to reach me. I'd thought that being far from Paris and London would be a good thing, that we'd be safer where we are, but we're getting squeezed harder and harder, even way out here, and we're on the march. It feels to me sometimes like we're on the run. We stop somewhere, and then before you turn around, we pack up and keep going. Pretty soon we'll reach the coast, and then what? No one knows for sure. The only thing certain here is the uncertainty we face, day by day, or even hour by hour. Anyway, I wish I had something more cheering to report, but I wouldn't give Mom for one of your pre-rationing scones, flaky with butter and dripping with clotted cream and jam, but that will have to wait until we've done our job and beaten Jerry back once and for all. Think of us, pray for us, and know that I'm thinking of and praying for you all, all the time. Love always, George. Aiden feels a thundering in his head as he reads these words once, twice, and a third time. The coast. George's unit is heading for the coast. Dunkirk is on the coast, isn't it? And Dunkirk is where the Germans are headed, too. That's why they were talking about it in the message that he and Sally were able to intercept. It's bad enough to think that the Germans are threatening any of their boys. But to think they are threatening George, the realization hits Aiden like a slap to the face. If George does end up in Dunkirk, he'll be trapped and at the mercy of the Germans, and the German so- soldiers are not known for their mercy. All the while he, Aiden, will be sitting here doing absolutely nothing to help. He thinks of what is what he said to his father, I'll go by myself. All of a sudden, he means it. Because after reading this letter, despite his fear of the water and his reluctance to disobey his parents, He knows he has to go. Maybe his father will relent, and he'll be the one to take the boat across the channel. Aiden wouldn't be as frightened if he were with Dad. But right now, Dad doesn't want to go, leaving Aiden with little choice. If he wants to join in, he'll just have to go himself. Aiden tucks the letter in his pocket. He'll show it to his parents later. Right now, he needs to get out of the cottage, clear his head and all that. The evening is cool, with no clouds in view. And since the sun hasn't fully set, there's still a glow of pink along the horizon. Aiden ambles down the road and toward the center of town. He passes the sweet shop, the pharmacy, and the post office, all closed for the night. Then he comes to Dinty's, the pub where his dad likes to go for a pint of ale. The door is open and the place is crowded. Men, women, even some children. Children at a pub? Why is it so packed? Aiden moves closer until he can hear the voices coming from inside. And that's why I think we shouldn't be forced to go, someone is saying. Aiden peeps into the open doorway and sees Mr. McAllister, who owns and runs the general store. We've lost too much already, much too much. Mr. McAllister's twin boys, Barney and Peter, were both killed a few months ago. But if we don't go, the Germans will slaughter more of our boys. We need to rescue them. That's the voice of Mr. Carr, the pharmacist in the village. It's too much to ask, Mr. McAllister says. The risk is too great. That's what my dad says, Aiden thinks. But he does not speak up. Instead, he slips inside and finds a place on a bench. Clearly, he's stumbled on a town meeting. Everyone here is wrestling with the same sort of questions that his dad and mom are wrestling with now. He wants to hear what they have to say. May I have the floor, says Mrs. McAllister. She's a pale, soft-spoken woman, yet she possesses a quiet dignity and composure that make everyone quiet down. They all lean forward to listen to her. Ever since we lost Peter and Barney, I felt like my heart's been cut out of me. I cry every morning and every night too, but I also know I'm not alone in my grief. So many of you here have felt it too, haven't you? A murmur goes around the room and Aiden sees several people nodding and one or two wiping their eyes. Well, we can't let this go on and on now, can we? Painful as it is, we have to be brave and do our best to rescue the rest of the boys. My own heart may be broken, but it will do me some good to think I can save another mother from the same fate. Churchill's asked for our help, and we can't say no to him, can we? Some of the boats are on their way right now, and I'm going to be on our boat, the Moonlight Sonata, first thing tomorrow morning. I hope all of you will be there to join me. There's a silence, and then a few people begin to clap, until the whole pub is clapping thunderously, and many people rise to their feet. Mr. McAllister is weeping openly. As he embraces his wife, he raises his hand for silence. She's the most courageous of all, my Tess, he says. She's even changed my mind. I can be a stubborn old goat, but I can also admit when I've made a mistake, I'm going to be with her tomorrow. Please join us. Amen, calls out someone behind Aiden, and someone lifts a glass and a toast. To the little ships and to England, long may she wave. Aiden gets up and heads out of the pub. He takes his time walking home because he needs to think. George's letter is burning a hole in his pocket, and his head is abuzz with everything he's seen and heard. Entering the front room, Aiden finds the radio's been switched off. Dad's settled in his armchair with one of those murder mysteries he favors. Mom's across from him in her rocker, working on the word jumble in the paper. Where have you been? asks Dad. Down at Dinty's. Aiden says truthfully. Dinties. pub's hardly a place for a lad of your age. Mom's pencil is suspended midair and she's frowning at him. There was something special going on, Aiden says. A town meeting. A town meeting? I didn't hear anything about it, Dad says. Mrs. McAllister spoke. She's very brave. That poor woman, says Mom. Not one boy gone, but two. That's exactly why we're not going, says Dad. Enough's enough. Aiden decides it's time. A letter came, he says. It's from George. From George, says Mom. Let me have it. As soon as Aiden hands it to her, she begins to read. So they're heading for the coast. Mom looks up from the letter. They could end up stranded there, Aiden points out. And if we go to meet him, there's a chance we could bring him back. That's what they're talking about, isn't it? Rescuing the boys and bringing them all back home? Not that, his father says, not again. But mom, dad, don't you see? We have to go. What if George does end up at Dunkirk and we miss the chance to help him because we're not there? We're not going. Dad's gotten all red in the face and his voice is very loud. Do you hear me? Not going. It's a suicide mission and we're not going to be on it. Yes, we are, says Aiden. He turns to his father. You always taught me to stand up for myself and do what I think is right. Well, that's what I'm going to do. George is out there, Dad. We have to help him. I've already lost one boy to this terrible war, his father thunders. How much can a man be expected to sacrifice? Aiden is shocked. He's never heard his dad lose control like this, never. The naked emotion on his face causes Aiden to look away. But when his gaze turns to his mom, it's even worse. Her face is buried in her hands and she's sobbing. Mom, Aiden walks over and touches her shoulder gently. She raises her face to look at him. Not another word about this, she says in a fierce and terrible voice. Not one more word. I thought go to your room young man she says at once Aiden doesn't move you heard your mother says his dad upstairs now Aiden trudges upstairs goes into his room and flops down on his bed frustration anger confusion are swirling around inside him a terrible storm of emotions he's furious that his parents are being so stubborn but he also feels ravaged by the naked exposure of their grief. Then he hears a light tapping. It sounds like someone is throwing pebbles against the window and he walks over to investigate. Sally is outside waving her arms. Aiden opens the window wide. What are you doing here? He calls softly, hoping his parents won't hear. I followed you, but when I heard all the commotion inside, I thought it was better to wait outside the cottage. My dad won't join the others. I heard, says Sally. What are you going to do? I don't know. He looks at Sally. Stay there, he says. It'll be easier to talk if I come down and... He stops, alerted by an unfamiliar click. Has someone locked him in his room? What in the world is going on here? Dad, he calls, rattling the knob. Mom? Mom? Are you out there? Aiden, I'm very sorry to have to do this, but mom and I feel it's the only way. Only way for what? Aiden is confused. What are you talking about? We have to keep you safe, his mom says. We've already lost one son to this war and who knows what could happen to George. You're all we have left and we just can't let you go. Aiden tries the door again, no luck. He's been jailed right in his own home. You've locked me in here? He asks in disbelief. Like I'm a prisoner? Not like a prisoner, says dad. We're doing it for your own good. Dad, mom, Hayden pounds on the door with his fist. We'll see you tomorrow, says his mom. Tomorrow? By then most of the boats will have already left for Dunkirk to start the hard work of bringing the boys back. Not the Margaret, though. No, the Margaret will be stuck here, idle and useless, all because Aiden's locked up tight. He sinks down to the floor and buries his head in his hands. He's never been so miserable in his whole life. Suddenly, he jerks his head up. Sally. That's the end of chapter four.